Now, back in 2016, we had a non-binding referendum in the District of Columbia that said, hey, DC voters, would you like to be the 51st state? It's kind of like, would you like to win the lottery? That's our featured guest today, independent candidate for Congress, David Krukov. In addition to running for delegate, which is the Congress position in the District of Columbia, I'm the creator of something called Douglas County, Maryland, as the future of the District of Columbia. Welcome to The Purple Principle, and our episode focused on the long-standing, highly partisan issue of full representation for Washington, D.C. citizens. I'm Robert Pease. And I'm Emily Cursetti. And it's often said that democracy is a process without an end. And democracy in our nation's capital is still very much in process because the 700,000 residents don't have a voting representative in Congress, yet they pay the highest federal taxes in the nation. Efforts to solve this problem go all the way back to 1801, when Congress first created the District of Columbia. Our guest, David Krukov, thinks the solution to this two-century-long stalemate is something called retrocession. That means returning D.C. territory and residents to the neighboring states it came from, in this case, Maryland. Various retrocession proposals were made in the 1800s, and one petition put it this way. Characters differ altogether from those of the citizens of Washington and Georgetown, that we are men of industrious habits, consequently incapable of cooperating with the vagabonds and speculators in the city. In recent times, both major parties have attempted to solve the problem, but always to their own political advantage. Democrats have brought D.C. statehood up for a vote on the U.S. House floor no less than 12 times. And Republicans propose some form of retrocession no less than 13 times. So if D.C. disenfranchisement were a movie, it would probably be Groundhog Day. I hope that my colleagues will vote for statehood, if only as a symbol of respect for the citizens I represent. The answer to the District of Columbia program would be retrocession. I call up H.R. 51, the Washington, D.C. Admission Act. Most of the District of Columbia could simply be returned to the state of Maryland. Okay. It's going, boys. You're playing yesterday's tape. But the recent House passage of D.C. statehood in H.R. 51 is the first time the proposal has passed either chamber of the U.S. Congress. But it's dead on arrival in the Senate. The Republican Party will naturally block any proposal likely to add two Democratic senators. Which is why Krukoff's nonpartisan, or maybe bipartisan, proposal that D.C. become Douglas County, named after abolitionist Frederick Douglass, could gain traction. Remember, Washington, D.C. is nearly 50% African-American and something like 90% Democratic Party members. Let's get to know independent candidate Krukoff and his thinking about this two-century-long partisan battle. There was a predecessor group of which I was part called the Committee for the Capital City. And uh, their founder, Larry Morrell, said to me, you know, we should just call it Douglas County, Maryland. And I snapped my fingers. I said, that's it. And that's a reference to Frederick Douglass? Yeah, so Frederick Douglass was born a slave on the eastern shore of Maryland. He died a second-class citizen, not by nature of his color, but by nature of his residency in 
D.C. on Cedar Hill and Anacostia. He was a prominent Washingtonian and uh, obviously a fantastic abolitionist and an incredible speaker and writer. And um, the initials of Douglas County are obviously D.C. So it's a no-brainer. And he's prominent in the city. So, David, how long have you been registered as an independent? I grew up in the District of Columbia. I was a resident of Maryland for a while. I moved back into D.C. about three years ago. And um, I registered as an independent then because uh, I basically grew up as a D, became an R, and now I'm an I. And my progression to become of, a, of nonpartisanship and reform has um, developed over time. And what would you say are the advantages of running as an independent or an I in D.C.? Well, it's a very divisive time. And my thought would be to expose ourselves to the electorate for as long as possible by running as an I. And also the fact that I don't care for, and our campaign doesn't really care for, the partisanship. In fact, we are sort of purposely nonpartisan and reformist. And we believe that the non-voting delegate position from the District of Columbia is the ideal platform from which to espouse reform, provided that the person in that position is unaffiliated with one of the major parties. And that's what we are. So, David, we have the color purple in common. You've decided to call your campaign the Purple New Deal. Tell us how you decided to brand the campaign with purple. I'm part of the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers, and many nonpartisans embrace purple as a mixture of red and blue, red being for one of the major parties and blue being for the other, to sort of say that they're not one or the other, but something that is maybe good from both. So we branded our campaign the Purple New Deal. So if the current polling is accurate, and and it may not be, Democrats could control both chambers and the White House in 2021 and then push through statehood. So more Republicans seem to be making noise about retrocession. Does that make it more difficult for you to be viewed as nonpartisan? Are there Democrats who say you must be working for the Republicans? Yeah. I mean, there's... When I first created Douglas County, Maryland, I was accused or it was accused of being Republican funded when actually it came out of my bank account. Okay. So, um, and then I was called and I'm still called like a Jim Crow by one gentleman on Twitter, but for the most part, that does not prevail. For the most part, people are happy that someone is putting forward a position that is nonpartisan and that is solution-based and has basically geared his or her whole campaign on solution-solving, problem-solving. So the other obviously big factor for any campaign in 2020 is COVID. How is that making this more difficult for you? Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, we can't have events that we would have. We would have a ton of events. We would have fundraisers. We would have cocktail parties. We would do things that are out there. And now we are manufacturing things that are very poor substitutes. So it's it's difficult, um, and it's difficult for anybody who's challenging the power structure. And we are really challenging the thought police, the whole power structure of the District of Columbia, of even the state of Maryland, 
and frankly, the nation in some ways, because the duopoly loves not being challenged. How about volunteers? Is it difficult getting volunteers in a city that's so overwhelmingly one party, in this case, Democrat? Uh, Yes, no question it's difficult. Like there's an agency of the District of Columbia which purely just advertises for D.C. to be the 51st state. I mean, uh, the mayor has four full-time employees that just advocate, just advertise D.C. 51st statehood. I mean, it's really kind of crazy. Um, It's not really about, in my humble opinion, it's not about success. It's about incumbency. Like, you, you can get all excited about it, but to what end? That's our featured guest today, David Krukoff. He's running for D.C. congressional delegate as an independent. Without much hope of winning, but rather to call attention to his less partisan solution to the D.C. dilemma, the transformation of Washington, D.C. into Douglas County, Maryland, giving D.C. residents a vote in Congress for the first time. And that may seem like a strange proposal, but the historical context here is just pretty strange. For example... It wasn't until 1871 that a municipal government was finally established in Washington. And it wasn't until the 23rd Amendment in 1961 that D.C. residents were given any say in presidential elections. And then not until 1971 that D.C. was granted that delegate seat in Congress. But a non-voting seat. And it's currently held by the incumbent Democratic candidate, 85-year-old Eleanor Holmes Norton. That's the incumbent and frontrunner David Krukoff is running against. So with that in mind, let's hear what he has to say about the prospects for his Douglas County, Maryland solution, or any solution to the D.C. dilemma. So D.C. is disenfranchised, not entirely by the Constitution. In fact, it's more disenfranchised by something called the Organic Act of 1801. And the Organic Act of 1801 can be diminished or shrunk, and the monumental core of the District of Columbia can remain the District of Columbia, and the rest can either be Douglas County, Maryland, which is a branding which we created, or Douglas Commonwealth, which is a branding that the power structure in town started using. So for us to be the 51st state, We'd have to have an act of Congress if the Democrats were to control the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and were somehow to change the rules of cloture in the Senate, then potentially the 51st state could be created. We like to say that so long as our advocacy for complete voting rights is partisan in its foundation, it will fail. That's what we believe. All right, then, from the state of Maryland perspective, what needs to happen for them to allow a new county? So the precedent of Arlington County, Virginia, which was all Alexandria back in the 1840s, is that an act of Congress was created that shrunk the Organic Act to become part of Virginia. Then the folks in Alexandria accepted it back by referendum. The people in Alexandria County around that accepted it back by referendum. It went to the House of Delegates in Richmond, which accepted it back. It was signed by the governor of Virginia, and then it was signed by President Polk. So presumably a similar process would occur for the creation of Douglas County, Maryland. And we believe that this will occur 
prior to the 2030 census. I see. So it's really ironic. You have all these senators and congressional members living in D.C. You would think they might become more seriously involved at some point. Republicans don't have the guts yet to provide a middle ground solution. The Democrats are totally interested in doing their H.R. 1 and H.R. 51. And what's left in the middle is just 700,000 more than 700,000 of us in the District of Columbia just being screwed. Yes. Well, we do live in such a partisan age. Do you have any fears if the Democrats do push through statehood, the Republicans would just repeal it at the first chance? Uh, I don't see D.C. becoming the 51st state and then having the, the, the statehood removed, unless it's through the courts. So I, I have concerns about D.C., being the 51st state, because we're already going broke uh, in the District of Columbia, and we're looking at a significantly enhanced cost if we're the 51st state, and um, we're in trouble, okay? So I'm, I'm also concerned about the country, right? So the, the action of us being the 51st state is obviously an action designed for a creation of two more Democratic senators. I think that the whole situation is destabilizing I ask that we get together, that we unify, work forward for democracy, and as, as a passionate pragmatist, as, as a passionately pragmatic way. And we do this with, by creating Douglas County, Maryland. We save money. We create economies of scale. We solve problems. Yeah, well, it does seem like statehood has been in this kind of promising position before. For example, when Obama was president and the Democrats had 60 votes in the Senate. We just know that they, the Democrats appear more angry than ever. Uh, we also know that the Republicans are appearing more duplicitous than ever. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, is a pioneering figure and adored by um, Democrats and by women in particular. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump is somebody who is norm-breaking, to say the least, so we see that the Democrats are saying that all bets are off and they could eliminate the filibuster. Now, I think that that would be a mistake for the country, not necessarily the filibuster per se, but the action now to bring in D.C. and Puerto Rico. And then we could see a response to have Texas break into two, all sorts of destabilizing things for the country, which is a path that I don't think we should go down. I'm hopeful that we won't go down that path. That was our featured guest today, David Krukoff, independent candidate for D.C. congressional delegate. He's advocating for a Douglas County, Maryland retrocession as a less partisan way to break up this political stalemate. And any partisan solution focused on D.C. voters could reverberate throughout the nation. And that's in part due to the lack of political center, as former three-term Congressman Jason Altmaier told us in an earlier episode. It's all about the way we handle elections in this country. One of the questions I get asked most often when I speak around the country about these issues is, why is there so much partisanship in Washington? We don't see that in our neighborhood. Why is that what we're getting in Congress? Well, the answer is because we're electing partisans. We'll be checking back on the D.C. issue after the 2020 election. But next episode, we head to Alaska our nation's most independent state. Where a 2020 ballot proposal 
targets the partisanship just described by former Pennsylvania Rep. Jason Altmaier, polarized politics creating stalemates nationwide. Alaska ballot question number two proposes opening primaries to independents and nonpartisans, as well as creating ranked choice voting. And greater campaign finance transparency, all this with one check of the ballot box. Our featured guest will be the campaign manager of Alaskans for Better Elections, Shea Siegert. We can't make this ballot measure about a certain party. We can't make this about a certain politician because it's simply not. Its genesis was how are we going to provide the best election system to the Alaska voter? How are we going to provide Alaska voters with the most voice, the most choice, and the most power? And we found that open primaries and ranked choice voting and financial disclosure was that way. Join us on The Purple Principle as we investigate these questions. How did we get so incredibly partisan? How could we get less partisan? And can independent-minded Americans help break through stalemates in our polarized capital in the great state of Alaska and points in between? This is Robert Pease for The Purple Principle team, Emily Crisetti, staff reporter, Kevin A. Klein, audio engineer, Janice Murphy, marketing and outreach, Emily Holloway, research and fact-checking. All music on today's episode was composed and created by Ryan Adair Rooney. There's more info and connectivity via social media and our website, purpleprinciple.com.